Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pigskin Pundits on this Thursday, February 9th, 2017, Super Bowl 51 edition on Block Talk Radio. I am Mark Ferraro, pleased to be joined, as always, by my good buddy, Thomas Murphy, the Murph dog himself. And, Tom, I think it's pretty simple today for people living in the areas that we do. You're doing three things right now. You're staying in, you're enjoying your breakfast, and you're listening to our wonderful show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what a uh, what a big surprise from yesterday. Those uh, not in the Northeast probably know that it was about 62 degrees yesterday in uh, New York City. And then here at 9 a.m., we have about like six inches of snow on the ground. Uh, it's pretty incredible. It's uh, kind of nice out, a little, uh, little hazardous, so you may want to uh, stay off the roads if you can and just enjoy the show. Absolutely. <clears throat> stay in, enjoy, don't risk it. And we'll take you the rest of the way with this show, recapping Super Bowl 51. And Tom and I are going to attack this show this way. We're going to talk about all of our records that were broken first in this game. And then we'll get into quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown. Because really, in a game like this, Tom, where do you start with the Patriots coming back, being, beating the Falcons 34-28 in overtime? First Super Bowl and that ended in overtime, you know, Falcons allowing 31 points, unanswered points, I should say, in the second half. The Patriots having the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history, down by 25 <laughs> points. And, Tom, how about this stat, okay? Prior to this game, in NFL playoff history, teams leading by 19-plus points in the third quarter, right, their record was 93-0. and because the Falcons had a 28-9 lead entering the fourth quarter. Yeah, that is just uh, that's just absolutely incredible. I mean, and the uh, like, because that's the thing. People think it's people keep saying it's a tale of two halves, and that's the thing. It was actually a tale of one quarter, because uh, even uh, the Falcons seemed to be dominating in that third quarter. It was just uh, you know right at the very end, and also you know probably going to get into it. The uh, I mean that missed extra point by. Uh, New England on that first touchdown they got in the third quarter. I just thought, oh man, that's over. That's just not their day. And obviously we're sitting here today with a different result. Yep. And you know what? How about this stat too? Because Tom, I know you know this very well. The only other game this year that the Patriots did not score a touchdown in the first half. You have to go all the way back to week number four when they face a familiar foe. Oh, absolutely, I know. And uh, the nice thing about that game, of course, it was against my beloved Buffalo Bills. They also weren't able to score at all in the uh, in the uh, second quarter touchdown or field goal. A uh, little bit of an asterisk there in that week four because, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady was not the uh, quarterback that game, just a guy named Jacoby Brissett. So uh, there's a chance we may never hear from again. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, a little bit different, but still, yeah. Pretty impressive that uh, you know that was the only uh, the only half they've gone uh, without a touchdown uh, other up until that point. Yeah, and what can you say about Brady and Belichick? I mean, this is Super Bowl victory number five for them out of seven. Brady now has the most all time as a quarterback. Belichick as a head coach. And what I tell people, listen, Tom. Yes, 
They had a lot of breaks that went their way, but, hey, they took advantage of every opportunity that presented itself. But to me, Tom, no other team would have did what they did coming back from 25 down. You know, Brady doing his thing in the fourth quarter. By the way, if you look at the last two Super Bowls, his stats in the fourth quarter, truly remarkable. The completions, the yards, the touchdowns. This guy is truly incredible. Belichick got to give them their due because if it was one heck of a comeback, like I said, they took advantage of every came their way. But, Tom, no other team, in my opinion, would have did what they did this past Sunday in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, – I mean, that is pretty impressive. I mean, I may make the uh, devil's advocate uh, <clears throat> choice for Aaron Rodgers, who's been known to, uh, you know, make a little comeback himself, maybe perhaps a Hail Mary at the end of regulation. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean – definitely the first choice always for as it for a team to mark a comeback and my at the Super Bowl party I was at it was said many times as like you know what if there's one team that's going to come back from this 25 point deficit it's New England and sure enough he proved everyone right uh, much to my chagrin yeah and how about all the records that Brady broke in this game we talked about it last week Tom one of our prop bets Will Brady or Matt Ryan break Kurt Warner's record of 400 and what was it, 15 passing yards in the Super Bowl? Yep, Brady broke uh-huh. that, had 466 in his game. How about completions? 43 Super Bowl record. And attempts, 62 attempts. Well, of course, when you're down by 25 points, all you have to do is pass the ball. So Brady broke every imaginable record in the Super Bowl. Yards, completions, attempts. And listen, when you talk about Brady, because obviously the last couple of days you've been hearing the word go, 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 go. Every five seconds, everyone is mentioning those famous words now. But what I tell people when they ask me, Tom, is Brady the best of all time? I say Brady is the best that I have ever seen. I didn't see Joe Montana play. Obviously, we always document I was born in 92. I didn't see Montana play. I didn't see Marino play. I didn't see Bradshaw play. I saw highlights but it's different when you're seeing a quarterback live every single Sunday. So you saw Montana play. You could probably analyze it more. But what I describe it is that Brady is the best that I have ever seen. Yeah, you know, it's such a it's such a subjective uh, thing to say. I mean, I, I mean, pretty much just on the stats and wins. And a lot of people are going to base it on Super Bowl wins, uh, Super Bowl appearances, AFC championships. You may just have to say Brady. Uh, <clears throat> Talent-wise, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's definitely up there. Uh, I mean, mentioned Montana. I mean, Montana was definitely <clears throat> a winner. Was pretty much flawless in the four Super Bowls he went to, throwing zero interceptions in four games. Uh, you know, I can talk about talented quarterbacks I've seen who, uh, you know, uh, I mean, John Elway, who went to five Super Bowls, won two. Uh, he was absolutely one of possibly the uh, best like the best super uh, best quarterback I just talent wise uh the guy could run he was tough as nails and he could uh he was just known I mean very famous for those uh late minute comebacks and he was about as uh in the history of the NFL who you want in the two minute drive uh somebody who never even went to a super bowl Warren Moon had one of like the best arms I've ever seen and he could just uh he could just light offenses up uh left and right, but I think when you talk about what really matters, the wins and winning, and 
Uh, I mean, Brady, I think Brady and Belichick are, you know, cut from the same combination together. They complement each other well. So uh, as I mentioned on a, a friend of mine's Facebook post who had asked about the best of all time, I said, I will probably never admit that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, but I'm also not going to deny it. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. As much as people probably don't want to say it, he's right up there. There's no question about it. But all those guys are very good. So, I mean, sometimes I think it's silly in terms of saying who's the best of all time because they're all great. Like you mentioned, Montana. Not only was the guy perfect in the Super Bowl, Tom, but he threw zero interceptions, the same amount as you and me. Yeah, no, exactly. It's uh, <clears throat> it's unbelievable. He uh, was just uh, <clears throat> he was just uh, like you know completely flawless in Super Bowls, and also uh, can never forget. I mean, this was before you were born. The most exciting Super Bowl when I was a kid was uh, Super Bowl twenty three Niners Bengals, when uh, with ninety nine with. Uh, like about a minute left, I think it was a minute eight. He led them on, led the Niners on a 92-yard drive for the win, and it was absolutely incredible. It was just uh, everybody, everybody in the world thought the Bengals had shocked the world with an upset, and it was quite the opposite. Now, though, now I didn't obviously I didn't see that Super Bowl, but I've seen the highlights <clears throat> of that game, man, and yeah, that was something. The ending and that one, but. Now, Tom, when you talk about, obviously, Brady won the MVP, he's going to get it. But I'll tell you something. One guy who was right there, right there with him, and easily could have won the MVP. How about the game that James White had out of the backfield for the Patriots? 14 catches, which, by the way, another Super Bowl record that was broken and three touchdowns, including the game-winning one in overtime. Uh, yeah, I mean that's one of those things. Like, who would have, uh, who would have considered him to be such a huge factor in, uh, <clears throat> in the game this past Sunday? But uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, like you know, like we said on the program, he would have been a great candidate. I mean, it's impossible to give it not to give it to Brady with breaking the record and, of course, just uh, the fact of winning his fifth. And uh, but yeah, those 466 yards, you just. Uh, he, he was just a shoe and yeah, you got to speak to White. He was quite a uh, quite a factor in that, no doubt. Again, you're listening to the Pigskin Pundits on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Mark Ferraro. He's Thomas Murphy, and we're going through Super Bowl Fifty One between the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. So, Tom, now let's do the uh, quarter by quarter breakdown. And early on in this game. What can you say about the Falcons' defense? Because we have documented this team's defense all the way through the postseason, not really being sold 100% on them. But, Tom, especially in the first half, this unit was alive. They were hitting Brady. They were making him uncomfortable. And you know what? We really didn't hear Vic Beasley's name that much. We heard Courtney Upshaw's name. We heard Grady Jarrett a couple of times who, by the way, had three sacks in the Super Bowl, the same amount that he had all during the regular season, and even Deion Jones, the linebacker, Tom. What can you say about the rookie? Because that guy is a beast. He was everywhere on the field on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. And he uh, creating that uh, creating that one fumble. I'm not sure if that was in the first quarter. That may have been in the second. But, yeah, he just, uh, <clears throat> he just stripped that ball like, uh, yeah, the, whoever was carrying that had like zero chance to hold on to that. And, uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, funny you mentioned Grady Jarrett. Yeah. What a game he had. He was a very 
likely hero. Uh, and if Atlanta had pulled it off, he probably would have been in uh, consideration for uh, <laughs> excuse me for the uh, defensive play uh, for the uh, Super Bowl MVP. It would have gone to Matt Ryan, I'm sure, if it were different. But uh, he definitely made a strong case. But yeah, and it's so funny. We were talking about last week. I think something I had mentioned was in order for the Falcons to have any sort of chance, they were going to have to get to Brady. And I believe they had two sacks on him just in the first quarter alone, which is exactly the uh, game plan that they had, they had to have. It's crazy, Tom, because I looked at the stats after this game. Vic Beasley did absolutely nothing. No tackles, no sacks, zero. And that's disappointing. Very disappointing for a guy that has Fifteen and a half sacks during the regular season. Okay, now in the first half they didn't need him because we talked about all these other guys who stepped up. But Tom, if you're Vic Beasley, you got to do something in the Super Bowl. Absolutely nothing in this game. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it was at a at a certain point I was kind of wondering where he was on the field. I think he did make his presence known on one play, not with a tackle, but. Uh, he kind of reminded me, at least for a second, he was on the Falcons. But, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I mean, it's just a testament, I think, to Dan Quinn, how the rest of the team was able to step up around him and, uh, you know, really uh, put on a defense, like a defensive show in the uh, first half, at least. Of course, and all you have to know is the first four drives by the Patriots in this game. Punt, punt, fumble by Blunt in the second quarter, stripped by Deion Jones. Falcons next drive, bing, bang, boom, five plays, touchdown on the run by Devontae Freeman, up 7 nothing, and then their fourth drive, a punt. So the Patriots time, we talked about this, man. Early in this game, Brady was getting hit. He was uncomfortable. Now, I think what turned around in the second half, and we'll get to that in a second, was that they got tired of that defense. That's the only thing I can think of because the Patriots in the entire game ran 93 plays 93 plays in the Super Bowl as opposed to 46 by the Falcons, and their time of possession time was 40 minutes for New England. Wow, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering, was that, a, uh, was that another record? They didn't happen to break the uh, – uh, they didn't happen to break the Bills record. Oh, well, that was also 40 minutes, probably including overtime. Was, uh, in Super Bowl 25, the Bills-Giants, uh, the Giants had the ball – for uh, a 60-minute game for close to, like, it was pretty much 41 minutes to the Bills' 19, and it was a one-point game. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you definitely need more uh, more parity and time of possession if you want to have a chance. You just can't have defense on the field for that amount of time. That's just ridiculous. But, uh, no, it is funny. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Brady was getting hit, uh, I am sure, at halftime which we'll probably get to in a little bit. Uh, the the right guard, Shaq Mason, I'm sure got an earful from both Belichick and Brady. He was having a horrible game. And we know so we know that's something uh, Brady does not tolerate, is his offensive lineman uh, giving up big plays. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, the, the Falcons' defense, you can't say it enough. In the first half, they were dominant. You were like, where has this unit been? Now, in the postseason, even before this game, they were playing better. But this game, to me, they took it to a whole new level. I mean, every play, even some completions that Brady had in the first half, they were right there almost with the sack. And, Tom, this is where I started to think, wait a minute, this might not be the Patriots' day. And this was the drive in the second quarter, and we talked about this 
before we came on the air, where the Falcons had three holding penalties on third down on one drive. So you figure the Patriots would easily score a touchdown, get right back in this game. By Robert Alford, 82 yards, Falcons up 21 nothing. And to me, I'm saying, wait a minute. This just happened because usually, Tom, the Patriots would take advantage of that. But no, bring it through the pick six, Falcons up 21 nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, as many Bills uh, Patriots games as I've seen in the past 15 years, uh, Bill, like, if the Bills have three holding calls in a whole game uh, on third uh, on third down against the Patriots, it's just going to be we have zero chance to win. To have them on the same drive and then for it to end with that pick six uh, was just incredible. And I'm sure you were thinking the same thing I was. If Atlanta had won that game, which at that point we almost thought was going to be a definite, I thought they were. I thought the Falcons were on their way to a Seahawks type laugher like they did against the Broncos. Uh, I was definitely thinking that Robert Alford interception was going to be the play that we saw for the next, uh, you know, 20, 30 years when they talk about Super Bowl highlights. But now with the uh, results, I think that uh, that play is going to not not be completely forgotten. But it's definitely not going to have the same uh, the same gusto as it would if uh, Atlanta had won the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, man, I can't forget that text you sent me after the pick six. All you said was a new legendary name, and obviously you're referring to Robert Alford. Uh, yes, and uh, it almost seems like people have already forgotten him, but uh, that was just absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, that I, I thought that was going to completely change the game, and for a second it actually seemed like it because the Patriots, I mean, no pun, I mean, pun intended actually, seemed very deflated after that. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it even seemed to carry over into the, even carry over early into the second half. Yeah, it did. Obviously, we'll get to the third quarter in a second, but now we're at halftime, 21-3. Falcons are up that defense once again. The stats, two sacks, four quarterback hits, one forced fumble. And all we kept saying was, just hang in there. Keep grinding. Keep putting up points. Don't let this team get back in the game. Um, of course, and then we knew, obviously. But prior to this game time, the Falcons, right in the first half, they outscored their opponents 45-3 to in the first half. Obviously, that all changed in the second after Lady Gaga's performance at the Super Bowl. Now we're in the third quarter. And this is where things started to change a little bit, but not too much because the Patriots scored that one touchdown on the, what was it, the uh, pass from Brady to James White, 28-9. But you mentioned it before, Tom, then uh, the Guskowski missed an extra point, which was his fifth, by the way, of the season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was even doubly, I was even doubly uh, happy that he, uh, he missed it because I was very uh, – I was very pushing from, uh, you know, from my friend's couch for the Patriots to go for two because, uh, because I, in the Super Bowl box uh, pool I had, I had the, for both boxes I had, I had the Patriots with uh, one point as the last, last digit. So I definitely wanted them to go for two. And then when they went for, when they went, when they were going for one, I was so, uh, so angry because I was going to ruin at least that quarter for me. And then, uh, then he missed it. And I was just like, I was so happy for many reasons because it just, uh, it was just kind of a testament to the, 
Patriots game uh, up into that up into that point, and for them to just uh, walk away without even the extra point, I just thought it was over. And you know, if you just sometimes have that feeling, like man, it's just not these not these uh, guys' day. And yeah, you thought that was like the icing on the cake there, and as we all know, it just wasn't. Yeah, and out of all the stats that you probably saw at the Super Bowl, okay, the one that is the most mind-boggling of them all was when after the Falcons took a 28-3 lead with the touchdown pass from Ryan to our boy Coleman, okay, 28-3, they only ran the ball five times the rest of the game. When you're up by 25 points, would have learned from his mentor, Pete Carroll? I guess not. I thought Shane Gailey for a minute was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Run the football. Devontae <laughs> Freeman, the first half, was a beast. We didn't, even, we didn't even mention Devontae Freeman's name last week. This guy was the animal in the first half. And, Tom, he only had 11 carries the entire game. Unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'd be it'd be easy now to go uh, go and tell Dan Quinn, you know, hey, what were you thinking? But I know for the past uh, for the past uh, five days, he's been thinking nothing of that and why why they did that. Uh, yeah, I just um, it is mind boggling to me because I mean, Devontae Freeman in that first uh, those first two drives, you kind of thought like, oh well, hey, we have a Super Bowl. Here's a Super Bowl MVP uh, waiting to happen, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just breaking off some great runs. For the Patriots fans I was watching with, uh, he was really starting to get under their skin because he was just moving and uh, had a little uh, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell uh, quality to him. But, uh, man, it was just unbelievable. I mean, he had he had like 74 yards in the first uh, half, and I don't think he finished with much more than that the uh, entire game. And, Tom, you mentioned Dan Quinn. Obviously, he gets – a lot of the blame being the head coach. But one guy who we can't forget about, and that's the new head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan. Because if you're a 49ers fan and you watch that game closely, knowing that Kyle Shanahan is going to be your head coach and you saw the questionable play calling, oh, boy. It, might have been, it probably was a long day as well for some 49ers fans out there. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, hopefully he learned uh, Kyle Shanahan's a young guy. Hopefully he learned his lesson. I mean, but uh, no, I don't know how. It, I don't know exactly how it works on the sideline. I would have to think that uh, you know Dan Quinn would have some sort of like uh, you know executive power there and being like, you know what, we got to run this ball. I mean, that was uh, you know they were. Uh, I mean, that's one thing you knew. You knew Belichick was going to uh, you know find some way to counter the uh, you know counter the uh, like passing game of them. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just – it's unbelievable. And that's how, like, New England, they didn't really come with this, like, force of points. They just kind of – they they were able to, you know, eat the clock a lot on a lot of these drives that they were coming back. And, uh, yeah, just absolutely incredible. I don't know what the – don't know what the thinking is, was of passing the ball as often as the uh, Falcons did in the second half. Yeah, and Tom, I can't even forget how the Falcons blew the opportunity because after the missed extra point, let's not forget that Belichick tried an onside kick. It didn't work. The Falcons had great field position, and they couldn't even get three out of that. Yeah, no. It was just, uh, man, everything just seemed to be going. uh, 
you know, even the breaks the uh, the Falcons were getting, they just couldn't seem to capitalize on. And, uh, yeah, no, it's just incredible. I mean, I keep referring to the uh, Patriots fans I was watching with. I mean, even in that fourth quarter, like, they were, uh, you know, because uh, the Patriots were really just eating a lot of uh, – a lot of clock time and they're saying it's like what they were like what is going on we have to you know we can't be we have to like go down and score 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 and but hey you know uh, Belichick is just a genius and he knew exactly what he was doing and it completely uh yeah I mean it ended up working out for the best but yeah that uh clock management on both sides was just uh you know kind of questionable at the time but uh you know we definitely worked out in the Patriots favor um, eventually, and uh, yeah, the Falcons were definitely on the bad end of that. All right, Tom, so we get to the fourth quarter. Falcons up 28-9, up by 19, and at this point, I, I honestly said I, I, I felt obviously confident in the Falcons' lead. Was I 100% confident they were going to win the game? No, and I'll tell you why, because our good buddy, Ricky Funaro, he kept texting me during the game, and every time the Falcons would score, all he would say is, keep the foot on the gas, because you know why? Against the Patriots, you don't stop. You don't give up any sort of life. But then I had my doubts in this sequence when the Patriots were down 28-12. It's third and one. Bang. Freeman misses a block. Ryan gets sacked. Fumble recovered by Dante Hightower. And to me, Tom, oh, boy, they might make a run here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, you definitely felt when they got that. It was like one touchdown, and it was a one-possession game. So, uh, yeah, you kind of had that feeling. But, I mean, even still, I was like, Atlanta's really going to need to blow it to uh, in order for this to happen. But uh, <clears throat> so I wasn't, I wasn't completely sold on it, and – I think I even got in. I even got into a conversation non-football related with uh, one of my friends, but uh, still keeping an eye on the game. But, uh, yeah, that was just uh, – I mean, at, even at that point, I was like, yeah, it's a little too little too late. And Atlanta's, gonna, Atlanta's offense has been firing too much, so I think, uh, you know, they'll keep that going. One more, one more score by Atlanta, and that should do it. But, yeah, obviously the results proved otherwise. Yeah, and listen, the Patriots had to get two in the fourth quarter, two two-point conversions, and of course, they dialed back to a play that's been one of the famous for them on a two-point conversion or any play in general, and that's a direct snap to James White, bang, touchdown, Patriots down 28-20 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, they uh, yeah they ran a couple of those uh, ran a couple of those uh, you know classic plays that they always do uh that one to very uh very much to a uh, success and uh the flea flicker that was so uh that was so uh monumental to them against pittsburgh they tried that uh also when they were down big uh in the game and uh absolutely were not able to capitalize on it but uh yeah it was uh definitely yeah definitely the start of something big there yeah, and we talk about all the guys who came up big for the Patriots. Brady spread the ball around, whether it was Amendola, and we'll obviously get to Edelman's catch in a second. But I'll tell you, one guy whose name is not being brought up enough, and he had a tremendous second half, especially in the fourth quarter, and that was the rookie receiver out of Georgia, Tom, Malcolm Mitchell, who ended the game with six catches for 70 yards. 
Oh yeah, okay. no, definitely a uh, <clears throat> definitely a big uh, big game for him, and uh, yeah, congratulations. He was the uh, definitely one of the lost members on that receiving core, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, definitely a way to make uh, your case. Uh, you know, in a big game like that, he was also one of those. I was like, that name sounds familiar, so I had to look him up and realize that he was a young player for the Patriots. And uh, yeah, he'll definitely uh, Brady will definitely be keeping an eye on him next year. Now, Tom, here is the sequence. The biggest head-scratcher of them all. After the Patriots scored and converted the two-point conversion, they're down only eight. Falcons have the ball. First and ten at 39-yard catch and run from Devontae Freeman. And then the play next, 27 yards, Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. And, Tom, what a heck of a catch that was by the Falcons' standout receiver. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's just made uh, incredible catches his whole career. And uh, <clears throat> at that time, it seemed like almost uh, no bigger catch in his career than that one, uh, you know, right there. It's such a it's such a key moment. And, you, you know, you kind of think like, oh, yeah, that could put, that could put uh, the uh, icing on the cake there. Yeah, because after the catch, here's the scenario. First and 10, Falcons at the Patriots' 22-yard line with 440 left in the game, okay? They give the ball to Devontae Freeman, negative one yard. So now it's second and 11. Bang. Ryan gets sacked by Trey Flowers, who had a heck of a game as well, two and a half sacks. Negative 12 yards. Now it's third and 23 at the Patriots' 35-yard line, okay? There's a Pustinu for nine yards. But wait, there's a penalty on Jake Matthews, so add 10 more yards to that. Now it's third and 30, or third and 23 at the Patriots' 35-yard line, okay? The penalty now brings it to third and 33, and there was a sack on the play. Tom, that whole sequence there, all you had to do was run the ball three times. Not to say a field goal is an automatic given, but they got away from the run on that drive to me, Tom, made absolutely no sense. Yeah, no, they kind of blew it there. And also, uh, you know, at, at that point, you're definitely in a <clears> – <throat> you're very, very much in Matt Bryant, even though it's not a shoo-in. Matt, Matt Bryant has been one of the best kickers uh, in the NFL for the past few years. So pretty much anyone could tell you that. You know, very reliable. And, uh, yeah, at, at that point, you just pretty much have to stay in his range to make it a uh, – to make it a two-possession game. And, uh, yeah, they really blew a big opportunity there because that, that field goal probably would have sealed it, could have possibly sealed it for them. Yeah, I mean, they only ran the ball five times in the second half. That made – I just – I don't understand that because you had it at – you had the ball first down at the Patriots' 22-yard line that ended at their 45 because of the sack, the penalty, and the incomplete pass. So now you give back the ball to the Patriots, only down by eight. And I didn't think there was any way pass possible that the Patriots were not only going to score a touchdown, but convert the two-point conversion to tie the game, which, Tom, is what exactly what happened. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, I, had just, I definitely had a feeling like if, uh, you know, if they, they score the touchdown, you know, late in the game, that two-point conversion, they're just they're going to find they're going to find any possible way to make that uh to make that uh, come true. Yeah, I just I did not feel that game was at 
And then how about the catch by Edelman, Tom? Okay? The ball was tipped in the air by Alford, our pick six friend. There's three Falcons defenders going after the ball, diving for it. But who ends up with it? Julian Edelman, who just gets his hand under the football. Conversion, first down New England. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I mean, I kind of I saw it as it was going. I somehow it was a, my concentration was on point on that play. And, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, like, one of my friends uh, who was watching, he was just like, oh, he didn't catch that. That hit the ground. And I was like, before the replay, I was like, I don't know. I think he completely was able to get under that. And uh, sure enough, on the replay, just what a, what a catch. And it was like, oh, man, that's their uh, – that seems to be their redemption for David Tyree back in uh, Super Bowl 42. Uh, Tom, I'm glad you mentioned that because of all those years, I had to hear the Patriot fans talk about, oh, the catch by Tyree and the catch by Mario Manningham. Well, not anymore. You can't say anything else because you got one yourself with Julian Edelman's catch there in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, we were talking about Alfred's interception uh earlier in the game thinking that was going to be the play to remember. And uh, pretty much that was completely overshadowed now by uh, Edelman's catch. That'll be, I think that'll go down years from now as the uh, play of the game. Now, Tom, would you say that that catch by Edelman was better than Julio Jones's? Ah, you know, I would have to say, I mean, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty much up there, but I mean, when you go on uh you know, when you go on up uh, as far as what what people will remember, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty it was pretty remarkable. That that ball had like about that ball up by Edelman had about like fraction of a centimeter uh, away from hitting the ground. But you know, there was just enough light under there to uh, you know keep that from being a catch. And I think I may have to give the edge to uh, Edelman's uh, and that. Uh, it may be just based on the fact of how uh, it definitely led to a different outcome for the game. Oh, no, you're right. Absolutely. If the outcome of the Falcons won, I think a lot of more people would talk about the Julio Jones catch, but because the Patriots and they came back from 25 down, greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, obviously more focus is on the catch by Mr. Julian Edelman. So, Tom, the South are the uh, Patriots score a touchdown, touchdown run by James White. 57 seconds left, 28-26, and then Brady completes the pass to Edelman. It's 28-28, and the thing that changed the most in the second half, and this is probably because the Falcons got a little tired, because Brady, in the second half, Tom, was 16 of 24. Excuse me, in the fourth quarter, 16 of 24, and the main reason for that, Tom, is because he had a clean pocket. The Falcons, all those guys we talked about in the first half, were non-existent in the second. Yeah, I've never, uh, I mean, I know sometimes you alter, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, coaches, they definitely alter their uh, game plan in order to preserve the win as opposed to, you know, keep playing the game that's been working for them the entire uh, game up until that point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, one, one coach I noticed who, doesn't seem to uh, really change things that are working ever is Bill Belichick. You know, it's, that was very evident back in the 2007 season. Uh, I mean, he got a lot of, um, he got a lot of flack for running up the score, which I've never understood. I mean, it's professional football. You should be able to do whatever, whatever, whatever you wish. And, uh, 
yeah, it's just when something's working, like uh, they never stop and they just keep going with it until uh, until it breaks. And I don't know what uh, I don't know what happened in that fourth uh, fourth quarter, but just uh, yeah, the defense for the defense for the Falcons just seemed were definitely wasn't the same that we had seen the previous three quarters. And yeah, that's why we're sitting here talking about a different result now. Yep, so now we get to overtime. It's 28-28, and by that point, I'm saying to myself, there's no way the Patriots are going to lose this game now, especially with the way they came back. And I felt more confident when they won the coin toss because I said to myself, game, set, match. They'll go right down the field, score a touchdown on the first drive, which exactly was the case. Yeah, again, absolutely. And uh, sure, we were going to get to it, but... uh... Man, it's, uh, I was just saying, I mean, you know, I was, I was excited. I mean, regardless, as much as I hate the Patriots, even if they won, I was saying, wow, this is just going to be incredible. The first uh, first overtime Super Bowl, there's going to probably be some legend, some great play that, uh, you know, everyone's going to remember. And it's going to be uh, <clears throat> and it's going to, you know, become like the new uh, the new standard of Super Bowl highlights just in this uh, overtime alone. And the, the play of a. Uh, the biggest play in the overtime was a pass interference call on the one inside the one yard line, which was such a, was such a disappointment because that just, uh, yeah, that just put the ball right up on the one and made to a very uh, less exciting finish. Yeah. But then the, the touchdown run by James White game over Patriots win 31 unanswered points in the second half. And now you add the totals up. And this is a stat that we saw on the broadcast on Sunday in terms of the four major sports teams, Boston versus Atlanta. Boston now has 37 as opposed to Atlanta's one, which obviously was the Braves back in 95 when they beat the Indians in the World Series. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's that's absolutely incredible. I thought, what well, one, that's just – I was thinking maybe – Maybe the Hawks had won one in the late seventies, early eighties. But uh, man, what a shame for Atlanta! But you know, still just ho- holding on to that one. And uh, here's another thing I've always been saying about uh, you know Super Bowl teams, you know, changing, uh, you know, uh, new teams winning the Super Bowl and everything. So the uh, out of fifty-one Super Bowls, the number out of and the thirty-two active teams, it still uh, remains that only nineteen. NFL teams have won the Super Bowl in its 51-year history. Wow, only 19, huh? Yep, and 13, 13 have not won one, and and all out of those 32, four still have not made one. That's crazy, man. If when you think about it, because listen, there's still like you mentioned, there's a lot of teams out there who have not even won a Super Bowl, not have have even been in the Super Bowl. So I mean, oh, because hey, when you look at look at look at the Patriots, and we talked about this last week, Tom. This was their seventh Super Bowl in the last 15 years, representing the AFC, and especially Tom. Over the years in the AFC, it's been mainly the Patriots, the Steelers, or the Broncos. Yeah, um, actually, I was going to uh, maybe uh, at some point I was going to text you this uh, this fun trivia question uh, out of, in. In this millennium, which include like 2000 season, and the Super Bowl would have been held in 2001. How many AFC teams? Uh, it's a, the number's a little more in the NFC, 
but in the AFC, how many teams have been to the Super Bowl, have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl since two, uh, since the 2000 season? How many teams have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl other than, the, other than like, the major teams? Uh, no, they've represented the AFC. Just uh, out of 16 teams, only uh, uh, how many teams have uh, – how many teams have been to the Super Bowl from the AFC? I'm not, what what's the what's the number? It's only six. Six, huh? Out of uh, yeah, out of sixteen in sixteen years, uh, out of like sixteen, I think yeah, let's see, actually seventeen total seasons, only six teams have uh, represented the AFC because it's uh. A lot of them are multiple. The only team that has only been to one uh, out of the ones that have been is the Raiders. But then all the other five teams have been there multiple times. The Patriots, of course, the Broncos, the Steelers, uh, the uh, Colts have been there twice, and the Ravens have been there twice. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Maybe I didn't didn't word the question. Uh, May have not worded the question well, but that's just. uh, No, no, it was definitely me. It was definitely me. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So, yeah. No, no. Oh, okay. So the Raiders, right. Because the Raiders just made that one time against the Buccaneers, which was a blowout. And who was the MVP of that game? Dexter Jackson. Yep, absolutely. That was, uh, yeah, it's definitely his. the shining moment in his NFL career. But, uh, yeah, I was just overwhelmed by that. So I'm kind of uh, – I think it would be very, very interesting if uh, one of – a team other than those six was able to uh, was able to make the Super Bowl next year for the uh, 2017 season. But uh, eh, it's, it, may be, it may be tough because a lot of those teams that we mentioned are still, uh, you know, made the playoffs even this year. Well, Tom, listen, I think it's safe to say next year we could book it, man. AFC championship game will be the Bills against the Jets. There you go. Hey, that would be fantastic, man. It would be uh, the first AFC championship uh, uh, for us in twenty uh, in 24 years and uh, just like probably just probably like seven years for you guys. That's right. Yep, those two back-to-back championship games with the Colts and the Steelers. But Tom, my man, as always, thank you for joining me in the program this morning on a snowy morning, I should say, in the areas that we live in. Recapping Super Bowl 51 between the Patriots and the Falcons. I know it was tough for the both of us to recap it, but I think we did a very good job. We were very, uh, you know, objective. We didn't get subjective, so I thought that was very good. And Tom, thanks, my man. Again, enjoy the day. Stay safe, and we'll definitely keep in touch. Don't think the shows are going to stop just because the season's over. Oh, no, no, no. We have the Bills off-season noise we have to do, the Jets off-season noise. We're going to talk about the draft, of course, free agency. Just don't just think the football season's over, that we're over. Oh, Tom, no, no, no. Oh, no, absolutely. And then we're also going to get a little off-subject. You know, we'll talk uh, We'll talk about uh, Major League Baseball, which will be starting up in, uh, wow, just probably about a little more than a month. That's right. Yeah, pitchers and catchers report pretty soon this year. Actually, it's a lot earlier 
because of the World Baseball Classic. And, yeah, man, the next month we'll have our baseball draft, so it's right around the corner. Man, does it come so quick. But, Tom, as always, man, thanks again, and I'll talk to you later today, all right? Absolutely. Sounds great. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark F. Ferraro. Murphy's at MurphyTB. Thanks for listening to the program. You don't know how much we appreciate it every single week. And as always, don't forget to tune in next time to the Pigskin Pundits with your hosts, Mark Ferraro and Thomas Murphy, only on Blog Talk Radio.